This is Dream Power Radio, the place where your dreams turn into reality. Here is your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. Hello, 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 and welcome to Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network powered by Raven International. I'm your host, Debbie Spector Weissman, the Dream Coach. This is a show where we talk about dreams, both daytime and nighttime dreams, and how you can use them to make the internal shift to a life you love and rediscover the truth of who you really are. One of my favorite pastimes is looking at family photos. When I was a kid, I loved pouring over the picture albums my mother kept stored in the bottom drawer of the buffet cabinet in our dining room. What was fun was trying to find the family resemblances. For instance, I saw that my grandfather had the same curly hair I do, and my father's cousin looked a little bit like my older sister. I don't know what became of those old pictures, though I think one of my sisters has them hidden away in some storage closet. I have lots of new pictures to look at, those of my kids and my grandchildren. My little granddaughter has dimples just like I do, but she has a bright shock of red hair, which we think she got from my husband's side of the family. Even though my kids have their own distinctive looks, there are enough similarities between them to see their brother and sister. My point here is that we carry our outward characteristics from generation to generation. But did you also realize that we do the same with our internal behaviors? It's called emotional DNA, and the thoughts, feelings, and actions we inherit have a lot to do with how we relate to our families and others. My guest today, Judy Wilkins-Smith, has studied these patterns for years, and she's here to explain why we should pay more attention to them. Judy is a highly regarded organizational expert and trainer, and the founder of System Dynamics for Individuals and Organizations. Welcome to the Dream Power Show, Judy. Hi, Debbie. It's lovely to be with you today. Oh, well, thank you. Well, Judy, did I explain emotional DNA correctly? Is it something we all carry inside us? You explained it beautifully. Yes, absolutely. We don't just inherit our physical DNA. We inherit our emotional DNA. And it's exactly what you said. It's the patterns of thoughts, feelings and actions that we carry with us that are passed down from generation to generation. And in fact, many studies now show that it creates an event, creates an imprint on the system that supersedes just the person it affects. It travels down for many generations. So we may wonder why we're angry or sad or fearful in a particular area of our lives. And this is why. Mm, that is fascinating because, you know, it, it's like, you know, my son has the same blue eyes my husband has, but it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. Nothing affects that. But it's interesting how, you know, the emotions can be carried down and do this. So tell me, I mean, how does this happen? I mean, why does something that caused my great grandfather to be angry trigger something in me that makes me angry? So. We're very, very faithful repositories of of everything that happens in our systems. It looks a little bit like this. We have an event. The event creates an immediate reaction in the person who's affected. 
and they begin to make choices. So first there are thoughts and then there are feelings or the other way around, we're never too sure. But very quickly, we start to have this reaction to the event. And from that, we start to make language. Be very careful when you don't ever make sure you never. And so what do we do with that? We then speak it into our world. So we're reinforcing it for ourselves, but we're also reinforcing it for a new generation. And they look at mom and dad and go, well, mom gets sad when, so this is how I fit in. And so they take that on too. Now, the interesting thing about systems is very often the events themselves will pass on remnants. So you will see elements of that repeating. An accident here can become an accident further down. And again, this is because we're saying, don't be careful, watch out. And systems are very elegant organisms. They keep trying to tell us what's happened in the system that's now become a limitation so we can do something with it. Because the beauty of what you said earlier, which was, I have red hair, I understand, or my grandson has red hair, I understand where it comes from, is this. With emotional DNA, it's stronger. It contains all the words, all the thoughts, all the feelings that came down, but with it, the entire potential for you to swing it around. And the minute you swing that around, that begins to swing the entire system. Now it's no longer thinking the same way. It's no longer feeling the same way. It's no longer acting the same way. And you can see that if you have generations where nobody's gone to college and somebody looks at, at the patterns in the system and goes, well, that's not working for me. I'm doing it differently. And the minute we get the thought of, I need to do it differently or something needs to change, we're, we're into that clue box. Now, if we go back and look at what happened, we can also use it as a fuel to say, here's how I'm going to do it differently. So the things I said to my children when, when they were growing up really didn't necessarily come from me. It came from what I learned from my mother and what she learned from her, her mother and so on and so on and so on. So I'm sure we don't realize we're doing this uh, Not at all. It is deeply unconscious. People will say to me, but I didn't do that on purpose. No, but you very faithfully inherited all of those pieces and took them on as though they were yours, because that's what systems do. We keep everything humming along and then we adapt and change it. And of course, the system's greatest need is to survive, but its highest ideal is to grow. So it's always looking for that member who's going to switch it up a degree, switch it up a degree. And so that's, that's what happens. You take a word that affects somebody in one way and go, oh, but this could also mean this. See, the other thing we need to know is that we tend to be a little, a little more negative if you, if you look at it that way. We know here's the danger, watch out. You need to suffer. Good people are humble. So we tend towards that we don't always remember that there is a flip side to that coin. And it's when we turn the coin over and go, oh, but anger can become love or, or passion. Sadness can become joy that we start to turn things around. So they're both our limiters, but they're also our clues as to how to live a bigger, kinder life. Okay. So how does one go about figuring out what our emotional DNA is? So this is, this is where I love the site, the genealogy site. They're genealogy 1.0. Oh. 
here's where I belong. Why this matters is it's genealogy 2.0. Why does that matter? So what you would do is you look at, at an issue that you have, something that's plagued you for years, and the questions you will ask yourself are, how does it affect me? When did it first show up? What was happening in my life? Is this similar to something that's happened to anyone else in my family before? If I'm excluded, who else was excluded? If I don't do well financially, who else didn't do well financially? Because we then know there is what we call a hidden loyalty to a pattern that hasn't been seen and resolved. So it's become a bit of an exclusion and it's, it's irritating because it wants to be seen so it can balance and you can move on. So you want to look for what irritates you. And then you, there are two ends. You want to look at what irritates or limits you. And then you want to go straight to the other side and go, so what do I really want? What is my heart's desire? Because that is your next step. This one that irritates you is actually pushing you to connect with the one that's going to fulfill a heart's desire. That's your true life. So it is possible to, to make a, a break and, and make new DNA patterns that can then go on to subsequent generations? It's not only possible, it's absolutely crucial. It, every time you shift something, everything else in the system has to realign. It can no longer be the same. So the minute you create even a degree of change, you're affecting that system just a little, just a little, just a little, until eventually it flips. And sometimes if it's a really big pattern, you'll see that the, the whole piece flip very quickly. I was, I was writing about this recently, and I, I was saying it, it literally takes a sentence, a couple of words. You can have, think about this, generations and generations or years and years and somebody walks in and says the war is over one sentence women can vote one sentence it changes everything but it first it needed to be seen women can't vote needed to be seen and given a place because it was what would ignite the shift to say women are seen they may vote so, so I always say to people, don't disrespect what's irritating you. Love it and look at it. It is trying to push you forward to your next step in your best life. When you're talking about your emotional DNA and, and basically we're really emphasizing the negative aspects because those are obviously the ones we want to change. Right. I'm aware of them. But do we also inherit positive Absolutely. And you, those are the ones you want to strengthen, right? And it's interesting. Think about this. The negative ones we pass on as, as cautions. The positive ones we pass on as something as aspirations. You should be like your father. Your grandfather was incredible. We're actually telling our story all the time. And if we really pay attention, we can see where, where the difficulties are and we can see where the aspirational pieces are. But we tend to lock into the difficulties. You always focus on, on the negative. Well, we, we, you know, we're, we're brought up, this is meta-pattern stuff. We're brought up believing you're small, you must be humble, you should suffer greatly, 
Because if you suffer greatly, then you can die well and get seat 34 on the left somewhere else. And, and so this is what we've bought into. The opposite is absolutely true. If you tell yourself a story and believe it, it becomes your truth. Tell it hard enough with enough feeling. That's the truth that you live on. So I, I say to people, for heaven's sake, if you're going to tell yourself a story, make it a good one. It certainly makes a lot of sense. It's a huge difference. Oh, yeah. Well, with that, we are going to take a short break here. We are speaking all about emotional DNA with Judy Wilkins-Smith. And we'll be, right, we'll be right back. When is a car not a car? When it shows up in your dreams. Cars are one of the most common dream symbols. If you don't know why you're dreaming about cars or any image, it can leave you confused or scared. But that dream could be a solution to a pressing problem or an insight into a solution that's been bugging you for years. Go to my website and sign up for a complimentary discovery session, and I'll help you understand why a dream is a terrible thing to waste. Go to thedreamcoach.net for more information. Welcome back to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman. Yes, welcome back to Dream Power Radio. I'm your host, Debbie Spector-Weissman, and we're talking about emotional DNA and its patterns with my guest, Judy Wilkins-Smith. Well, Judy, I always like to hear about examples of how this plays out in practice. So do you have an example of how working with discovering emotional DNA helped somebody that you've dealt with? Gosh, so many, so many. I mean, I'm blessed. I get to work with this every day. I had somebody who came in, who I think will probably always stick with me. She was very, very quiet. She could hardly say two words. In fact, she didn't want to work in front of the, of the group because she was embarrassed. And I said to her, what's the embarrassment? She said, I'm very unlovable in my family. And I said to her, okay, tell me about that. She said, well, my brother, my father, and my mother get on very, very well. They're very kind of clinical, cold people. And as a kid growing up, I only ever got very little drops of love, just little drops of love. And it's it's so embarrassing. I'd like to be close to them, but that's all I got. And I wish I was closer. And I wish I knew what to do. I don't know if I'm good enough. And I said to her, so you've grown up. Are you a mom? She said, yes. And I said, Talk to me about being a mom. And she said, I'm a great mom. My kids love me. I do really well, but I don't with my family. And I said to her, hold on a minute. Let's look at your family. Well, it turns out her family came from Germany during the time when it was Holocaust and we had all of those things happening. And for her family, there was very little joy. In fact, it was, we survived. We should be grateful. The end. She was what you call a much later child. So she was born long after that. And so she comes in almost as a new generation, right? And here's this little bubble and she's looking for joy and all she gets is these teeny tiny little drops of love. Mm -hmm. And she said, I, I don't even know how to connect to my family. And I said to her, actually, you do. And so we had a look and I said to her, look at this. Your family only had little drops of love to give, didn't they? Yes. And they gave that to you, didn't they? Yes. What did you do with it? She said, I grew lots of love. I said, yeah. You did what they couldn't. They gave you what they could. Now you're doing what you can with what they gave you. 
Do you understand that you were the next step and the legacy of joy that was looking to emerge? I think she probably cried for about an hour and she walked out going, I got it. This is how I connect. I'm the next step. It's fine. They gave me what they could. When we know that our parents have given us what they can, even if it's just life, and we take it exactly the way that it's been given to us, we now have the opportunity to turn it into something incredible. And she did. So was it just her getting that understanding? It that was just out? getting that understanding. And, and what it was, was I always ask people, is there another possible conclusion when they say, my family didn't love me? Is there another possible conclusion? And when we go back and look, you will often see what's caused the shutdown in the family. And when they realize what's caused it, the compassion starts to flow. And when they realize that they're the next step, the insight and the pride starts to grow. And so, of course, now they start to switch that pattern up. Now it's no longer about little drops of, of love. Now it's who can I give all of this love to for my parents who couldn't? How can I grow this? How can I make this incredible in our world? And that's what she did. Hmm. Well, does, does it always work out that way that once a person understands where it came from, they just run with that and create a new positive pattern? So I will tell you, it's a, it's a whole process because when I'm working, it could be a, a spoken constellation. Our constellation is what we call dimensionalizing an issue. So I will dimensionalize an issue where I either use live representatives or I use pieces of paper to represent every part of what we're dealing with, the issue. So what that creates is a three-dimensional insight into what's actually happening. They're hearing it, seeing it, connecting with it, touching it. And we've now learned that you're very able to transfer thoughts and feelings onto either representatives or inanimate objects. And when we can do that, we're now setting up for the person to key in. As soon as they can key into the system and what's happened for them, you, it starts to shift something. Because now what they know is I'm not to blame. It's my responsibility to move. So instead of feeling less than, they now feel adequate and big and capable. It shifts that for them completely. So getting back to you know the person you spoke about, when you said she came in and she was very quiet and didn't want to speak to, did, did it actually change her personality? It did. And I've seen this so many times. You see an embodied shift in the moment when you do this work. And it was like the real her didn't have to hide anymore. It, it just popped. It emerged. In fact, another example of that was a lady who came in. It, you say, does it shift immediately and can you see it? She came in. She was a very, very overweight lady, very heavy, on two sticks, really struggled. We would have put her at about 70, 75. And she had been beaten by accident by someone in her own group. She was uh, an FBI agent. She'd been beaten up. Turns out when we went back into her history, her grandmother had been beaten by her mother. So you see the similarity. A mother had done something she shouldn't have. Grandmother had beaten her up. She also gets beaten by friendly fire. So she gets the insight 
And we set the pattern up so we can show the similarities. And she disappeared. And six months later, I kid you not, in comes this young woman. She's she's a, about a size four or six. And she comes bouncing in and she says, hi, everybody. Same woman. She oh. said, when I knew I didn't need to carry the burden of the pattern anymore, I didn't need to carry its weight either. No sticks, nothing. She came in absolutely fine. So we see this all the time. The minute the emotional DNA starts to shift, the outer world starts to shift, and often the physical world begins to shift too. Mm, that is amazing. Amazing to hear. So when you're talking about emotional DNA and how it affects you know, the family dynamic, does it also affect how you relate to other people? Very much, very much. Because think about it, you come in as, as somebody who maybe is ashamed or somebody who's struggling and you don't want to talk to people about that. And all of a sudden you discover, hold on, my struggle is actually a gift. It's trying to point me in the direction of my best life. And out pops this whole person that goes, well, for my best life, I'm not this little person anymore. That's why on my website, the first question I ask people is, how big are you willing to be? Because you are a very big being locked into what you think is the right sized version of you. But most times you've downsized yourself way too far. You know, it's funny because, you know, in dream work, we always talk about peeling back the layers to to get to, you know, the essence of who you really are. Exactly. it is the same thing. Uh, I want to go back to something you said uh, a couple of minutes ago. You were talking about the constellation process. Can you just explain that a little bit more? Sure, sure. That is? So it's the, the word, of course, has everybody confused. Thanks, Bert Hellinger, for giving us that particular word. But in, in this work, what it means is the spatial arrangement of parts of the issue in relationship to one another. So If I were looking at your family system, let's say you came in and you had an issue with mom or dad or whatever it is, I want to know where that issue came from and I want to know what the moving parts of that look like too. So what I might say to you is pick someone to represent your mom, someone to represent your father, someone to represent you, someone to represent your sister. Now give me a picture of what that is like for you. So what you're doing is you're taking your inner image and you're now placing it in front of you. And that's when we have people have that first physical jolt because now it's no longer just inside. They can literally see the relationship between the different elements, who's faced in, who's excluding themselves, who's far away, who's close together. So it starts to work on a number of levels. They begin to to have these insights. Oh, my mother is closer to my brother oh, my father is looking off into the distance. What is he looking at? And when I ask them, who's he looking at? For example, they may say, oh, you know, dad never came back from the war. Now, what I'll then do is go and place a representative for all the ones that were lost in the war. And you'll often see that representative move over to join them. So we start to see parts of the system move, which gives you that deeper insight. And when we hit what I call systemic pay dirt, when we hit the bottom line sentence that's kept you locked in, you'll see the body jolt. There may be tears. There may be an outbreath. 
And suddenly there's a realization, this is it. This, we've hit it. And then they breathe out. You'll see that exhale and you'll see the shift. And that's the point at which we can start saying, okay, so if that, then what? Now what's possible? And you'll actually see people light up and that, that ignition sort of start to flare for them because they get, oh, it wasn't my fault. It's not all about me. It's actually all about them, but it really is all about me because I'm the next piece of this whole puzzle. And now I get to write the chapter that only I can write. And that's where you see people light up and they often connect very quickly to their purpose after that. Again, amazing. So let me just ask you this. If let's say you have a dysfunctional family and right. you know, people who, who have a lot of troubles, do you have to work with everybody in that unit for them to get no, but I'll tell you what typically does happen is I typically do. I don't need to because the minute one person shifts, if you look at a relationship like this, if one shifts this way, you're now no longer relating the same way at all. So it just needs one. I worked with somebody who said to me, look, my family is never going to go for this because they don't understand it. Because for a lot of people, it can look a little bit out there until if, you, if you're attending classes until you understand the neuroscience and the epigenetics and, and the logic behind it, once you understand that, it makes perfect sense. But before that, it can seem a little intimidating. Okay, going off on a little bit of a different take here, one of the things that I've found fascinating is that this doesn't only apply to humans. Animals also go through this too. Could you explain Absolutely. that? Absolutely, yes. I would have said no until I inherited or actually adopted a kitty. And this kitty had been taken away from her mother too early and developed what you call an interrupted bond. She didn't know how to bond with anything else. She was a wild child. <laughs> And, and what it took was literally sitting in front of the cat, sitting with her and learning to move very slowly into her space until she could connect. So you see this very much with animals. You also see in, in systemic work, you have belonging, balance of give and receive and order. Those are the three principles. You can see it super quickly. If you've got puppies and you have a dog and you bring a new puppy in, the older dog expects that you will first say hello to it before you say hello to the puppy. Otherwise, it's going to be very annoyed and go for that puppy because it knows inherently that puppy is out of order. And then we also see it in inanimate things like organizations, which of course are anything but inanimate because they're made up of human beings. But you can see patterns that are passed down in organizations as well. If you have somebody who's fired and they're unjustly dismissed or nobody knows what happened, you may very well create what we call a burdened position. Now nobody can occupy that position. Every time the position is up for, for rehiring, they last the same amount of time as the original person who was fired and they're out again. They can't inhabit a position that hasn't been properly vacated or off-boarded. How did you get interested in studying this? Well, it really, it came at me. So it's a very interesting story. My father was killed in, in, here in East Texas, and I started writing books 
because it was either that or I was going to go crazy. And I was looking for research and, and I stumbled onto this person who taught this. And I said, will you help me with a book? And he said, I don't know if I'm interested, but come and study the work. So I studied the work and he never helped me with a book. But the more interesting piece with that, and this is how systems connect all the time, was somebody said to me one day, well, of course you can do this work. And I went, why? And they said, well, because you're connected to the source. It started with the Zulus. And I went, oh, now the Zulus are an indigenous tribe to South Africa. And here's the kicker. When I worked in surgery in South Africa, my chief of staff was also a Zulu chief. And when we left, he said, when I left, he said, you may be leaving us, but you will represent us elsewhere in the world. And I went, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now I do it every day. I, I think of that so often. Systems are elegant. They will connect you and connect you and connect you. So fascinating, Judy, but we're almost out of time. So I just can't have time for one last question, which is how sure. people find out more about you and your work. So a number of ways. My website is judywilkins-smith.com. And then they can, they can look me up on Instagram and Facebook. And then thank you to you for offering me such a lovely time with you today. There is also a code, an EB100 code, because I will be teaching emotional genetics, which is the groundwork for all of this work. It explains the principles and all of that. And the code, the EB100, will give them $100 off their registration fee. And that'll be because they've attended your show or watched your podcast. Okay, and they can find out about that by going to the website. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Well, Judy, thank you so much for being on Dream Power Radio today. We've been speaking with family patterns expert and facilitator, Judy Wilkins-Smith. I hope you've enjoyed today's program. If you have... Please tell all your friends, subscribe, and drop a positive review on your podcast site. Until next time, this is Debbie Spector Weissman saying, sweet dreams, everybody. You've been listening to Dream Power Radio with your host, Debbie Spector Weissman. For more information on Debbie or to sign up for her newsletter, go to dreampowerradio.com. This has been Dream Power Radio on the amazing Women and Men of Power Network, the world's leading positive programming network, powered by Raven International.